to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of our social media. Medium Cool Pod, that's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, and we'll pop up, and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at Medium Cool Pod, or Medium Cool Pod at Gmail. Dot com. Please also subscribe or follow wherever you are. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Whatever you want to do, all of it will help us. I really appreciate it. End of the shameless self-promotion. I'm ready to get into today's episode. I'm flying solo, everybody. You know, today I was actually going to take today off. I was going to post on social media like, hey, I did a new intro and outro, but I have uh, some old uh, kind of rehash content that was a much earlier episode. And uh, I even thought about pulling certain like horror movies from our top 15, just pulling segments out and, you know, just saying like, hey, I know it's after Halloween, but hey, you might still have like, uh, I almost said a, a horror tooth, like a sweet tooth. But anyways, you might have a sweet tooth for horror. We'll say it that way, even though that doesn't make any sense. And uh, I was going to do that. And I just thought that's lame. So I thought about just taking the week off because uh, last weekend we were just completely chock full. Halloween was on Sunday. That's usually when I record with people like Joe um, or any any of my guests, usually it's on Sunday. Not always, but usually. So, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I'll just take it off. I'll give everyone a break. I don't have to worry about getting anyone else for it. And then, you know, after last week's episode, you know, I was, I was uh, you know, I watched Dune. I was really hyped on it, and I thought, man, I, I should talk about, like, sci-fi movies just a little bit. Just, like, complete Austin ramble and just go for it. And then I thought, man, I'm about to start my 2021 cram, you know, where I'm just like completely just like cramming all these movies so I can get to, um, you know, a reasonable number for a top 10 at the end of the year. (sighs) There's so much going on. So, uh, yeah, I just decided, hey, I'm going to do an Austin Ramble episode. You know, I have a few notes, but for the most part, this is just off the cuff. I'm just going for it. Uh, if you're not interested in an Austin Ramble, by all means, just go back and listen to an earlier episode or wait till next week because this is what you're getting. I have no idea how long this is going to be. You will when you're listening to it because you can see how long it is. Um, but I'm just going to go for it because I feel like it today. It sounds fun and I'm just going to go for it. So uh, bear with me as I ramble on talking about the thing that I love, movies. But I want to start with one thing, and by the way, I'll I'll probably, after doing this, I'll probably break this up into sections and have them in the show description, like the show notes, wherever you're listening to this, so you can kind of find what you want to listen to. But hopefully you listen to the whole thing, but I'm just saying. So I want to start here. Uh, We received a message uh, on the Medium Cool social media on Instagram, and it was by um, a young lady named uh, Rosalind Coleman-Williams. First off, I want to say, hopefully I said your name right, but um, Rosalind, I I love that you sent us a message because at the end of every movie, I always say, if you agree or disagree, please let us know at, and then I go through listing our social media. And a lot of times people are just like, totally agree, dude, love this movie. You know, you get a lot of positive feedback, makes you feel good as a content creator, totally. Well, Rosalind actually had the stones to uh, send a critique, and she said, I thought your review of Cherry was very unsatisfactory. When you say you don't, quote, don't buy something, end quote, it's that you didn't suspend your disbelief. Check out the podcast, The Director's Cut, where the Russo brothers talk about their choices. I love this message. Thank you so much for sending it to us, but I I, I don't really want to try to defend myself or anything. If you you didn't agree with me, that's totally cool. I want to talk about one thing, though. I love this idea. So glad that Rosalind brought it up here. The I don't buy it statement. 
I can I I, I have not listened to the uh, director's cut podcast with the Russo brothers yet, so I, I will definitely do that. I'm I'm just genuinely curious, regardless. Um, but one thing I will say is whenever you do when you when you study film academically like I have for so long, and I've enjoyed it from all different angles, just as a movie lover, as a casual moviegoer, as an academic, all of it, right? I just enjoy movies. A lot of people find that hard to believe. I just have a lot of information in my brain that I'll, uh, you know, inform the lens in which I see stuff. It's just a subconscious thing. It just happens. I want to like everything I watch. Why wouldn't someone want to like everything they watch? But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Already digressing. But anyway, so, you know, back to Rosalind's, sta- uh, Rosalind's statement, the I don't buy it statement. And I love that this was brought up because I don't need to listen to the Russo brothers' intent because my interest is what comes across on film, okay? Again, people can disagree or agree with me, and I'm not even directly, I just love that Rosalind brought this up. I'm not. I'm almost not even responding to her comment now. I'm just bringing this up because I love this, this idea of, you know, I don't buy it, like that kind of idea. So I don't need to listen to the Russo brothers' intent because what comes out in the end is the important thing. You know, if I learned about it, it doesn't change. If I learned what their intentions were, it does not change what the film is. So whenever a film like Cherry has so many different tones and it feels like three different movies to me, by the time you go from something really serious and being drug addicts and all this to something completely different like heists, even if it's a true story, it doesn't mean you have to buy it because it's all about the execution. And I didn't buy Cherry. Like most, I, and I don't hate that movie. Uh, I just am extremely indifferent about it. I don't think it's a very good movie. Um, I mean, it's shot beautifully, you know, and uh, the performances aren't like bad. It's just incredibly inconsistent. And I don't buy it. The idea of not buying it, and um, something else that Rosalind said again, love that you said this because it, it just kind of immediately started getting my wheels spinning thinking about this idea. Because I felt like, again, not to defend myself, but I felt more like, wow, I actually want to articulate this. I want to break this down a bit because this is actually a really important thing because though you know our experiences with film are subjective and they're based on our beliefs, attitudes, and values, which I've talked about on the show before, our beliefs, attitudes, and values inform how we think, feel, and behave about everything, all media, everything in our lives. And the beliefs, attitudes, and values are built on our past experiences, uh, our economic status, um, our geographic location, the culture, our sex, Uh, our gender identity, all of these things, religious beliefs, all of these aspects inform how we think, feel, and behave about everything. So someone could watch something like Cherry and completely relate, especially maybe, maybe they had a drug problem at one point. Maybe they were strung out at one point and they saw this and they could relate to it. Regardless of whether it made them feel good or bad about it, they just related to the character more. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, this is complete, just a complete, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Hypothetical. Like, completely hypothetical. But say someone did. Like, that's awesome. You have a different lived experience than me. What I'm also interested in is just how storytelling is done. And I think Cherry fails as storytelling. But here's the thing. When I talk about I don't buy something, it's not that I didn't suspend my disbelief. It's that the film did not earn my disbelief to the extent that I would have to suspend it. Okay? When you watch something like Jurassic Park, this is the most ridiculous premise ever. 
Okay? <laughs> I mean, there's people on a an island full of dinosaurs. This feels ridiculous. But you watch it. And the film actually establishes a universe, its own universe. Every film does this, by the way. Every film, documentary, whatever. You watch a Michael Moore documentary, it feels very different than a Frederick Wiseman, which is very different than a Maisel, Maisel's Brothers or D.A. Pinnebaker, you know, uh, Cinema Verite type thing. Uh, all of those build their own universe. They kind of build their own vibe, their own aesthetic. They have their own qualities. Jurassic Park, the thing that Steven Spielberg does so well, uh, with things like that is he built this universe where it was believable because he gave you the blueprints for how the world works from the beginning as they're giving you the tour through Jurassic Park as we sit there uh, at the very beginning with our protagonists and they're getting like the very first tour of Jurassic Park. We learn all of kind of the basis for everything. And at that point, you can say this is stupid or I'm in. I can buy into that. Okay. I'm fine with that. They gave me the basis in which my my lens needs to focus, so to speak, and I'm good. Now, whenever you get into, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if you had something like, I'm. This is purely hypothetical, but if you had something like Blade Runner, I'm totally off the cuff here. If you had something like Blade Runner or even the new movie Dune, we'll go with Dune. If you just had dinosaurs in Dune. <laughs> This makes no sense, okay? You have you will break my suspension of disbelief. I don't think there is any extent of world building or universe building or atmosphere or anything that's going to make me believe a T-Rex is running around uh the any any world in Dune. Okay? <laughs> my suspension of disbelief is broken, but part of that suspension keeping that suspended without breaking is consistency in your filmmaking uh, and, and in your storytelling. And I do, I, that's where cherry breaks for me. And if I didn't make that clear when I was talking about it, that's where I'm coming from. There's an inconsistency in cherry. There's a phoniness to it for me. And again, I don't hate the movie, but I'm just talking about it bluntly here. There, there's a phoniness to it and there's an inconsistency to it that does not allow me to suspend my disbelief to the extent that they need me to. It can be based on a true story. I don't care if it really happened. If the film's execution does not make me believe this person I am watching did this thing, I have no reason to believe it. So again, I'm not trying to win anybody over to my side. I love that we got this comment. I just wanted to kind of touch on this idea of I don't buy it. Okay, uh, and and again, big thing of its consistency, its execution, uh, it's like having a universe or or, or like a, a world that you're building, even if it's based on our reality. You know, there's I mean, think of like the Fast and the Furious movies or something. I mean, those have a universe of their own. Yes, they take place in the real world, you know, of the planet Earth, you know, <laughs> in the United States or wherever Tokyo or wherever the film takes place. But the physics and everything else, that, you know, they have to be consistent with that because if they're not, it's bullshit. Now, I've only seen two Fast and the Furious movies. I plan to marathon them for you guys sometime, uh, you know, uh, when I feel like I can really give them the old college try, you know, without wanting to hate them um, because I didn't like the two I saw. The first one and the third one I think I saw. But 
my point is, though, you know, just watching a trailer, you can see it, and people love these movies, and I love their love for them. But the, the, the big thing is that they have to be consistent with how ridiculous they are. Because if they're not, the one time they do that super ridiculous thing, you cannot, you won't suspend your disbelief for it. It won't earn it. I don't believe it is our job as viewers to choose to suspend our disbelief. We can go into it with the expectation of, man, this is probably going to be ridiculous. But, like, I think the film earns that suspension of disbelief. The film has to earn my buying it. And that's just where I stand from. That's that's my pedestal there. So anyways, that was fun. I was excited to talk about that. So thank you again for that message. And I hope that I was able to articulate this a little better, at least from my perspective. Again, I don't expect anyone to change their views just because I said that. But hopefully you have a better idea of where I'm coming from. All right, I'm going to take a break, uh, just a really brief break. Uh, uh, this will probably be the only one. I know that I just like earlier said that I wasn't going to do breaks. I don't know what I'm doing right now. We'll figure it out. The point is uh, I'm going to take a little break, and uh, I'm going to come back and talk about some sci-fi movies because I really liked Dune, and I thought, wow, this would be a really cool thing. If you watch Dune and you're like, man, I want to watch some cool sci-fi movies, I got your back. So I'll be back with that and more in just a moment. All right, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about sci-fi movies because, uh, well, for two reasons. I watched Denis Villeneuve's uh, Dune, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or whenever it was. I, t- I talked about it last week and uh, huge fan of this movie. Big fan of Dune. I also, my wife wanted to watch, wanted me to watch Doctor Who. I'm going to do a shout out to Austin Luger because he's he tried to encourage me to check out Doctor Who all the way back in undergrad whenever we were going to conferences and stuff together. And he was doing a lot of academic work on Doctor Who. And, uh, yeah, I watched the one episode, Blink, and I thought, cool concept. And that was it, because I was a really visual guy at the time, and I thought that show looked terrible, boring. I thought the dialogue part of the writing and stuff was lame, but the concepts were really Cool, and so uh, I'm like super up for it now. I'm actually giving it the old open mind, old college try. I want to actually, I want to like it, and I'm starting. Uh, whenever it re kind of rebooted in 2005 or whatever, I'm starting there, and I'm gonna work my way through with my wife. So my point is, sci-fi is on my brain. I thought I would just randomly talk about a few things. Uh, I compiled a very short list, just to you know, if if you got to see Dune. And you're like, man, I want some more sci-fi. I'll explain to you why I encourage you to watch these. Some of these will be more relevant to Dune than others. Some of them I just like and want to talk about them. And it's my show, so I'll do whatever I want. So anyways, uh, it goes without saying. If you haven't seen Ridley Scott's Alien, uh, 1979, five-star movie to me. You have to go check that out. It's perfect. Um, Love that. I don't need to talk about that. These aren't even on the list. I'm giving you some... preliminary titles here that don't count as the list because I think I have 10 otherwise Uh, and then Blade Runner 2049 if you haven't seen that's by the same guy that did Dune you should just go check it out you'll get a similar similar vibes at times very different color palette of course and uh, but the cinematography and everything's incredible the the villain news style is present there 100% so you should definitely go check that out 
And then the first one I'll talk about is actually a silent film from 1927. It influenced uh, Star Wars and a whole mess of other movies. Came out of the German Expressionism movement. Uh, it's by director Fritz Lang, uh, who uh, was a German filmmaker. Um, from what I remember, and I could have this a little off, but I'm pretty sure he was uh, essentially um, approached, I guess you'd say, uh, by the Nazi party. And, and I don't know if it's directly Hitler. It could have been uh, Goebbels or one of his underlings uh, that approached Fritz Lang and was like, hey, yo, you should make propaganda for us, basically. And he was like, cool, yeah, I'll do that. And then when they left, he just like fled. Um, <laughs> uh, this was in the early thirties. So, uh, I think his first, uh, American film was fury in 1936 and he went on to make, uh, movies, I think through the fifties or so. Um, uh, but Fritz Lang's incredible. And anyways, in 1927, he makes this German, which again, it's, when it's silent, you know, you just read English cards. It's not like crazy though. Uh, there are versions where you see the original German cards with subtitles. Um, all the versions are great. There are uh, new extended versions now that you can check out for Metropolis. Uh, I can't express to you how incredible this film is. It's a futuristic city. Uh, it's a film about a futuristic city that is sharply divided between the working class and uh, the city planners, the the upper class, so to speak. And the son of the the son of the city's mastermind falls in love with this working class prophet woman, uh, who predicts the coming of a savior to. Uh, mediate their differences, and it's um, pretty incredible. Uh, you should just look at the opening sequence where you see all of the models that they use that look like a city. It's a big futuristic city, um, and you know it might it might look kind of archaic or 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 uh, old school to you now. But think about this. I mean, it's so ahead of its time. There are special effects in this movie that I still literally don't know how they did them. Okay, I have I have an idea, but it looks so good still to this day that I am, I don't know, it's just crazy. There's a point where uh, there's like a mad scientist and he's trying to turn this woman into this like, uh, basically take this woman's likeness or spirit or however you want to put it and put it in this, this robot. And you see this uh, sitting in this chair, this person, and these like rings of light start shooting around them and it's clearly a special effect. I have no freaking clue how they do it. It looks amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with this movie. It has admittedly been a long time since I've seen it. I'm really excited to revisit it. I have a, a great Blu-ray that has a bunch of... Basically, they compiled a bunch of different scenes that they'd found in different variations of the film to try to construct like the uh, kind of original uncut version, essentially. I don't know how to talk about it. There's a lot of history with most silent movies, let alone Metropolis. There's a lot to it. You should definitely go check that out. But if you get a chance, please do yourself a favor. Watch Metropolis. Uh, broaden your horizons, my dear friends, and go check this one out. I'm going to quickly look to see if it's playing anywhere for you while I'm talking. And I'm, I'm trying to find it. Let me... Uh, let me see if I can find it this way. So, um, but M Metropolis uh, it has some great, I found it now, but it has some great visuals, uh, like uh, the, one of the beginning sequences is you see all these workers coming out of this tunnel and you see a bunch of other workers walking into the tunnel and the ones walking out of the tunnel are walking at half speed 
as the ones walking in, kind of just showing how fatigued and overworked they are. I mean, the visual storytelling is so on point. It's so great. A lot of iconic stuff going on. It doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere that I can see, but you can definitely rent it through Amazon. If you're looking for a classic uh, sci-fi flick that has influenced just everything, Metropolis is, is your jam. You should definitely check it out. Now, that was from 1927. I'm going kind of chronologically based on the order that I have. So the next one jumps forward all the way to 1962. And it is actually only 28 minutes long. You can find the uh, U.S. dubbed version on YouTube. I think you can probably find the original French uh, audio with uh, English subtitles on YouTube as well. If I had to guess, I would watch that. Trust me on this. The narrator in it is so much better in French. It has such a vibe. It's directed by a filmmaker. It's written and directed by Chris Marker. Uh, 1962, just incredible, credible film called La Chate. I have the Criterion Blu-ray of this short film, uh, but it's only 28 minutes long. Do yourself a favor. Go watch this. I'll tell you why. This is one of the most unique experiences you're going to find. If you've seen the film 12 Monkeys, okay, that movie is an extended, elaborated version of La Jete. They actually took La Jete, the exact story, and then they added the Brad Pitt character, basically, um, and they added, uh, uh, like, extended, expanded on, like, the love story. Terry Gilliam did a great job with 12 Monkeys. Big fan of that movie. But La Jete is the base, like, all the scenes you see at the train station and all that stuff in 12 Monkeys, that is complete, directly taken from this. I mean, 12 Monkeys is an expanded remake of this movie. Uh, but this film, La Jete, is shot in still photographs, this movie. I love this. Black and white photography. The sci-fi aspects of it are subtle in terms of, like, you're not seeing... Uh, I don't know, like laser guns and other worlds, but you do see like people looking weird, much like they they do in 12 Monkeys, but there's sci-fi aspects. You know, someone puts a mask on someone and helps them like time travel or something. You know what I mean? Or they wear these like weird looking goggles. So it's like a pretty subtle sci-fi, but it is like unequivocally sci-fi, you know, like uh, <laughs> it, that is where it fits. Um, but I absolutely adore this. It's 28 minutes. Do yourself a favor. I'm serious. Go watch this movie. It doesn't take any time to see. There is an English dub that you can watch. But like I said, the French narrator is so much better. There's something, you know, it's kind of like watching old Grindhouse trailers from the 70s. does not have to be a Grindhouse movie, to be honest. It can be uh, a drama or anything. And you hear the voice. And it's so different than the movie guy we know as today. In a world. Like that guy. In the, in the 70s, everyone just sounded like a murderer, even if the movie's not a murderer or about a murderer, you know? So the narrator will just be like, today, one will die. You know, like this just like super, like they're speaking weird. They have this like strange, uh, like gravelly voice. I don't know. Um, soon, someone will kill you, I don't know, I'm just making stupid shit up, but the point is, uh, they have these, like, really, really silly, uh, narration voices to me, um, and, you, you know, the same thing is kind of like with French narrators, like, in the, back in the day, they don't sound like that at all, they sound way cooler, I mean, but there's just something to it, like, that totally adds to the, 
the overall experience to me. So I, I really encourage you to check out the original. But if it gets you to watch it and you won't watch it with the original French audio, please just watch it. It's La Jete, L-A space J-E-T-E-E. Okay, La Jete from 1962, 28 minutes long. And uh, it, it is just a, a gorgeous story. Actually, in... In grad school, I had to take a production class. I was studying film history, the academic side of it. But I had to take a, a production class just as a core curriculum of the graduate digital storytelling program. I had to make something. So in this class, you know, we learned how to edit, which I already knew how to do because I was a videographer prior to that. So I knew how to do a lot of that stuff already. I knew how to get different shots. And, you know, because the editing thing was uh, they literally gave us footage, uh, different clips from different angles and different distances and so on of someone just walking into a building. So you get a long shot of the building and then you see someone like walk up and go in. And then there's like a, you know, closer shot, closer shot, mid shot, close up, close up of the handle, you know, all these things. And it's just like, all right, cool. Make this fluid, make this look like a movie in editing. And then also it was like, make us feel something. Is this going to be a comedy? Is this going to be whatever? So I took music from uh, The Shining <laughs> Uh, or maybe I just did straight up like Penderecki music or something. And it was just like super dissonant and it felt like a horror movie. It was awesome. So anyways, we, we do that. And at the end, we had to make a, 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 a digital storytelling was the whole thing. So we had to tell a story digitally. So you can make a short film. You could do uh, an advertisement, like something. But you had to have a final project at the end of this class. So I did a movie. Uh, I think it was called Elena Riley or something. I used to name all of my movies after the protagonist for some reason. That was just like a thing. I had one called Elliot. And that, of course, you know, the protagonist was Elliot. Oh, 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 no, it wasn't Elena Riley. That was a different one I did. This one was just called Tiny Hands because it was super sad. And it was basically about this mom who lost her daughter like a year prior. So on the anniversary of her daughter, she returns to this place that meant a lot to them, which was just this elementary school playground that they used to that they lived near and they used to play all the time at this place. And uh the main character whom's whom I forget the character's name but is played by uh my friend and fellow cohort member in the digital storytelling program Mia Dietrich uh and the most photogenic person she's great. And I remember we were at this uh literally this elementary playground like near where I lived. <laughs> And um, my daughter was there for a little part of it. She was like two or no, she had to be a little older. She was probably closer to three at this point, still teeny. And uh, Mia was there. And uh, I remember I just had like, uh, I think I just had a Canon 7D DSLR camera and I would just hold the button down and just take tons of pictures. I mean, I had thousands of pictures to sift through and to, to create a film out of, right? And my goal was get as much as I can and do it in editing. So I'd already written it. Like I already knew what the story was, but I just needed to get these certain moments. So, you know, depending on how you edit still pictures, you can create you know, in one's imagination, the illusion of movement, right? So I would do one shot for a couple of seconds, and then the next shot, which is someone, say someone falling to their knees slowly, or like falling down, how would I say this? We'll just say someone's swinging, right? And you would see a person on a swing, you know, back, and then in the middle, and then forward and then falling back again, and then, you know, like just doing the back and forth of swinging, but you can 
create the illusion of movement. I'm talking way too long about this. The point is, it was really fun to make. I'm not going to sit here and say it was the great this great thing. I did it really quick. Took one day. Took me another day to edit it. Like it wasn't a long process, right? Um, uh, but it was it was a lot of fun, and I owe all of that to Lajete. Uh, my film was like voted one of the best in the class, and. I remember a couple of people asking me to enter into film festivals. The problem was I wasn't using music that belonged to me because it was just for a class. Had I created my own music, I could have done that, but I just felt weird about, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't want to, like, copyright anyone's music and, you know, put it out there. But the point is, I had a great time with it, and it's all because of La Jete. I have talked way too long about this. The point is this. Go watch La Jete. It's so great. Wow, wow, wow. And then, of course, there's always, you know, Stanley Kubrick's 1968, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I don't need to talk about this very much. I've already talked about my love for Kubrick. And I'll never forget the first time I saw 2001. I thought it looked incredible because I've always been a fan of practical effects. And when somebody can do what Kubrick did in 1968 with those things, and I had no idea how he did it. Of course, I've watched so many documentaries and read so much about it. I know how it was done now. But at the time, I didn't. And it blew my mind. I really had no idea, but I also found it really boring. <laughs> like the first time I saw it, I found it really boring. Until the end, where there are all these streaming colors and the protagonist is freaking out. And there's this, you know, weird baby floating in the air and this room full of light. I mean, it was just, it's a wacky movie. But I, I just, I just really gravitated toward it. And it's, you know, I, I mean, I have 2001 permanently on my body in the form of a tattoo now with uh, with certain two different scenes from that on my arm because I just love Kubrick. He's just my dude. And every film that he did, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the Killing, which just like, God, that, that's still my favorite film noir, but it just made me fall in love with noir so much more than even I already did. Like that movie made me love it. Um, and then even like uh, something like Paths of Glory, thinking about war differently or Full Metal Jacket also making me think about war differently. But that was like one of that was a really shocking experience for me to see, you know, um, and even, uh, you know, stuff like a, a Clockwork Orange, which I had never seen anything like it before or Barry Lyndon, which made me feel so tense as I was watching two people duel and what the 18th century or whenever whenever it took place my god i mean he is powerful and you know 2001 is no exception if you've never seen it before go out of your way to see it but if you have maybe revisit it especially if it's been a while see how you feel about it now um i mean personally i think it looks just as good if not better than star wars in terms of the space sequences of course star wars is more action packed this is more just like shit floating in space um but i just think it looks really incredible 2001 is 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 the jam. Now, real quick recap, okay? I talked about Metropolis from 1927. Um, I also talked briefly about Alien and Blade Runner, but not uh, Blade Runner 2049 to be more specific. Not in this list, but I kind of started with them. Each of these, those three that I mentioned right there, as well as La Jete to an extent, and 2001, but to a lesser extent, but the the first four, they create kind of their own worlds in a way. And that's something that Dune does really well, as it creates its own world. So, I mean, like, if you're really into that kind of world-building aspect, I think there's a lot to look at with Alien. I think there's a lot to look at with Blade Runner, Metropolis, Lajete to a lesser degree, but still there. Again, 2001 to a lesser degree, but still there. On a completely different note, though, 
You have James Cameron's 1984 The Terminator starring the almighty Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, dude, if you have not seen the original Terminator, because everyone talks about Terminator 2 Judgment Day, okay? Great movie, okay? But the Terminator is so awesome, you should go back and watch the original. The opening to that is the most sci-fi thing you've ever seen. All right, there are laser guns and giant mechs, and and uh, it's like a post-apocalyptic world, essentially. I mean, it's crazy. But the, the other interesting thing about the Terminator is it does kind of have a tie-in loose. I'll tell you the story here in a moment of why I say that so emphatically, but a loose tie-in with La Jetée. Because La Jetée, if you remember in 12 Monkeys, if you haven't seen La Jetée, in 12 Monkeys, you know, uh, Bruce Willis is in the future, and he's imprisoned, or whatever, and then he's used by the future government to go back in time to stop these terrorists from, uh, you know, essentially destroying the world. And the terrorists are, of course, led by Brad Pitt. Um, spoiler alert, but you should have watched it. So, I mean, it's not really. You learn that pretty quickly. But the point is, uh, La Jete is about that kind of time travel. You go back in time to make a difference. Well, the Terminator is exactly that. All right, you have you have the the Terminator played by Arnold Schwarzenegger who goes back in time to kill someone to stop the rebellion that is fighting off the machines in the future. And man, that honestly it surprised me. It su surprises me every time how cool the original Terminator is for you know, in your mind it can getting what? In your mind it can get <laughs> I swear I'm not drunk. I had a couple of fireball shots, okay, but I'm fine. <laughs> anyways, no, so I'm really not drunk. But anyways, uh, so the Terminator is really awesome because uh, I've already distracted myself. <laughs> anyways, so it's strange how cool the original Terminator is because uh, it seems like such a cheesy movie now. Like, if you look back, you see T2 Judgment Day or whatever, and that seems really cool. But the original Terminator can come off really, in your mind, like in your memory. I know a lot of people that often just are like, yeah, it's really cool. It's kind of cheesy. But, dude, it's actually genuinely awesome, too. So if you're looking for sci-fi, again, that's the whole reason I'm talking about this. If you're looking for sci-fi movies, this is one I would encourage you to go back and watch. And even if you've seen it recently, um, it might be a fun rewatch. So you should definitely consider watching James Cameron's The Terminator. Uh, really fun time. But speaking of James Cameron, you also have the 1986 Aliens, the sequel to the almighty sci-fi masterpiece Alien uh, by Ridley Scott. But James Cameron did the sequel, doing what he does best and uh, getting away from whatever the original content is and making it somehow action-packed. Uh, but, uh, but Aliens is awesome. So I, I say that with kind of like, you know, an annoying or like an annoyance in my tone or however, because, uh, you know, with James Cameron, I often just I don't need to talk about that. But the point is the Terminator rules and aliens rules and uh, aliens is less of a horror movie and more of just like a sci fi action thing. And uh, but it's really awesome. And this is another much like the original Alien and tying into the idea of world building and and having kind of like, uh, I don't want to say unique per se, but having kind of otherworldly aspects, kind of like Dune does. Uh, Aliens 
does a really good job at that, actually. And it's about more than what's on the surface, which Dune also could arguably, we could argue Dune is as well. Of course, you have Sigourney Weaver, you know, taking her role back as Ripley, uh, one of the really strong female characters of that, you know, 1979, that end of the 70s going into the 80s. There really weren't a lot of strong female leads like that. And uh, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley was able to do that. And regardless of how people see it now, at the time, she was strong as shit. You know, in comparison to a lot of the other kind of wimpy female characters that were around. And I'm not talking about them being like emotional or sensitive. I'm not negatively talking about that. I'm just saying often characters were written by men and those female characters were weak. Okay, like to a fault, not in a realistic way, even, you know, like they're always reliant on men and blah, blah, blah. Well, Sigourney Weaver's Ripley was the sole survivor of an alien attack. And then an alien, she kicks some more ass. And uh, she kicks more ass than dudes. And she's uh, always, you know, she will face it head on. And she will lead everyone. I mean, she's just a great protagonist. Of course, I feel like everyone loves Ripley because she's just the best. Um, but Aliens really is great. You know, I give Cameron a hard time because I feel like he just, just like... He can make good movies, and of course he did with Terminator. Of course he did with Aliens. Um, I haven't seen Abyss in a long time. I'm sure I would like it, but I don't remember it. Um, but of course T2 Judgment Day was great. I think he starts to fall off there, in my opinion. I mean, Titanic's fine. Um, it's a like technical marvel because you know of what he was able to do at the time. And the same thing goes for Avatar. I would say the exact same thing. Like it's barely okay I actually don't think it's a very good movie but the technical the technological aspect is incredible like what he was able to do for that time was uh masterful also uh very he was influenced after he saw Gollum in Lord of the Rings one of my all-time favorite uh, uh trilogies it would be in my top 10 as one movie essentially if I could do that but anyways I digress uh but Aliens is great if you haven't seen Aliens in a while you should go back and watch James Cameron's Aliens uh, that's, that's just an, it's just an absolute gem. I want to go watch it now. The next movie I wanted to talk about was Katsuhiro Otomo's Akira from 1988. This is an anime, yes, but this is one of the most impressive animated films I've ever seen. And I'm not just talking about anime, I'm talking about just animated I think it's absolutely incredible. If you go read about Akira and all of the things that it took to make this and the, the extent to which the creators went to create such a world and such a, a visual experience, it is mind-blowing. I mean, I think to this day, it still holds records with what it was doing. And uh, if you have not seen Akira, you need to go out of your way to see this. It's a story about a secret military project that endangers Neo-Tokyo, which is the futuristic Tokyo, uh, when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by a teenager. Um, Kaneda! Tetsuo! Um, if you know, you know. The point is, uh, his gang of biker friends... Uh, this teenager's gang of biker friends and a, and a group of uh, other psychics have to stop this uh, psychopath. And, uh, dude, it, it's crazy. 
this movie. You got to check this out. Go to YouTube, type in Akira Reviews, see what people are saying about it. I don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie, except for maybe the uh, almighty curmudgeon uh, Charlie Eckenbarger, who's been on here a couple times. But uh, <laughs> I got to get him to watch it. If I ever bet something with him, I'm going to make this is going to be the bet. All right, we have to do a live stream and we have to watch Akira. Uh, that that would be my punishment to him, which is no punishment at all. Uh, but for him, maybe he hates anime because he's a loser. Anyways, the point is, um, Akira is absolutely incredible. From the music to the uh, characters to the uh, colors to the cell animation and all, just everything about it. This is a an, a bona fide classic. I rewatched this during the pandemic, and I, I mean, it was I watched a lot of anime because I was going out of my way to either revisit things I'd seen or watch new uh, anime, and I had this whole list. I was trying to basically knock out this marathon just by myself, not even for the podcast, just by myself, and I rewatched Akira, and it was the only five-star thing I watched up to that point. I mean, it was perfect. There's just not a thing I would take from this. That movie, it's weird and super sci-fi and interesting. I mean, dude... It's just so great. I'm just going to sit here and gush and talk over and over. Luckily, this isn't, I don't even consider this a real episode. This is just Austin rambling. So deal with it, sucker. Also, Akira, Akira, what? Akira has um, a, a kind of like this notorious dub, English dub. I watch all of my anime. It's the only type of film that uh, might have an original language that is not English that I watch with the English dub because... There is just such an art to English dubs of Japanese anime. <laughs> and sometimes it's really great and sometimes it's really terrible. Akira has two of those. Uh, the 1988 original English dub is terrible in the best way. Like a so bad it's good kind of terrible. Um, I really love it. But then the new dub that they have is actually really spot on. Anyways, Akira's incredible. Go check that out. I also want to talk about um, a movie. We're going to jump from 1988 all the way to 2006. Another five-star movie for me, which is Children of Men. And if you haven't seen Children of Men by Alfonso Caron, it is absolutely incredible. It takes place a little bit in the future, especially now. It's not too far in the future. In 2027, and it takes place in a chaotic world in which humans can no longer procreate. And a former activist agrees to help transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea where her child's birth may help scientists save the future of humankind and and that such nonsense. Um, but I say nonsense affectionately because it's just the best. This movie, I mean, what, what can you say about I, I can't imagine anyone saying anything negative and I don't know how it has anything less than five stars. The, the production is incredible. There's a sequence where they built an entire car rig so that the camera could actually move 360 spin while also being able to move left and right and forward and backwards in the car itself so that they could shoot a really long one-take shot of this chaos going on. But it all takes place within the car, and they can pinpoint each character so you can see this kind of like intense traumatic experience from all of their perspectives and it is incredible and that's just like the flashy stuff I'm not even talking about again the world building because you get that I mean this is part this is key to sci-fi you have to sell us 
on the aspect of sci-fi. It can't just be a normal movie with an android. Like, yeah, that's still going to go on sci-fi lists because it has an android or whatever in it. But that's not that's not like sci-fi. You know, like Children of Men is sci-fi. Maybe not the hardest sci-fi, but it's still sci-fi because it really hits that idea of, yes, it is our world, but it is different, and we are giving you the boundaries on which, as I said at the beginning, on which you can suspend your disbelief, right? You can buy into it because they are building a world for you to experience. And Children of Men, even though it takes place in our world, feels like an entirely different world. And now Alfonso Caron, uh, who, who has directed so many good movies, uh, I mean, he did one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Harry Potter movie, which was Prisoner of Azkaban. He did Roma, which... I'm ashamed to say I have not seen yet, actually. 2018 was a part of my dark ages. There were a couple of years where I just kind of fell off and didn't see, like, anything new, even though it was on Netflix. Makes me so mad, but I cannot wait to revisit that. I'm, I'm waiting for a specific moment to revisit it. I don't know what that moment is yet, but it'd be a part of a marathon or something. Um, but then uh, Gravity, which I was a big fan of in 2013. I actually really liked this movie. Sandra Bullock, George Clooney. Um, it's just really intense. Again, another kind of technical Marvel thing. They just do some incredible stuff technically. Same with Children of Men. Itumama Tambien is really, really great. I mean, he he did a bunch of great stuff. Um, even some uh, foreign stuff. Really good. I actually have never seen A Little Princess or Great Expectations. So maybe those are cool too. But all I know is he is somebody that when he has a new film coming out, I pay attention. Because I want to see that thing. Uh, also, in Children of Men, Clive Owen is surprisingly good. Julianne Moore's in it as well. Michael Caine. I mean, dude, such a great cast. Uh, you got If you have not seen Children of Men, shame on you, first off. I don't mean to shame people, but seriously, shame on you. You should have seen this in 2006. I don't even think I saw it in 2006, but the, maybe I did. But the point is, you should have. I should have. It's really great. Honestly, if I could give you one movie to watch, even though I think, you know, some of the ones I've already talked about, I think, are better films. But just in terms of accessibility, if you haven't seen many of these, if you don't go out of your way to see many movies, watch Children of Men. Of course, the Terminator and Aliens are really badass. But Children of Men is just really accessible while also being really great sci-fi. So you should definitely check that out. And it's, again, not super hard sci-fi. It's a pretty light sci-fi. It just takes place in the future, and there are certain aspects of it, like the... Uh, fact that people can't procreate anymore, like we are all, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, I'll figure it out later, but where you can't have children. We're barren, all of us. It's not the word I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, so th there's another uh, thing I want to talk about. I'm going to I'm gonna name one movie, because if I had to name one, I'd say watch this one, but it is a trilogy. I'm really excited to talk about this. It's the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy. From, uh, I think the first one was in like 2011 or something, and then it finished out in, uh, I don't remember now, 2018 or 19 or something. Can't remember. But the point is, over a span of almost a decade, they made three movies. I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, again, I'm really fighting for all three of these, but Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, man, is another one like Children of Men, where it doesn't feel like super hard sci-fi. We're not in space with big bubble helmets and laser guns and stuff. I mean, we're not getting that wild. But this is like Children of Men, bringing it back down to Earth, literally, and 
creating a different world within our own. Okay? So, again, back to suspension of disbelief. We're talking about monkeys that can fucking talk. Apes that can talk. Okay? What I love about it, though, is it's mostly sign language. They speak in sign language because that's how they were taught prior to becoming these super intelligent beings. And, yes, they can talk, but the extent to which they do and how they do, because of the way that it is built, it is consistent, you have context for it, they set it all up so that when the time comes, it makes sense. Is it ridiculous? Yes! But I bought into it in a heartbeat. I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is just a great film. It basically took... Uh, I think it's King Lear is what I'm thinking of, the Shakespeare story, and they turned it into a Planet of the Ace movie. It looks fucking great. It sounds fucking great. The performances are fucking great. Everything is great about this movie. Go see the Apes movies. If you have not seen... These are... This might be my favorite, like, blockbuster franchise. This is going to make people want to die when I say that. But it's like... Like, I don't get invested like I do in those movies. There's something about them that really gets to my heart. Um, Batman movies don't do... I mean, I love, like, Nolan's Batman and stuff like that. I'm not dissing anything. I'm just saying, like, a lot of movies, it could be a superhero movie. It could be uh, ridiculous, like, Fast and the Furious-type movie. It could be um, something even as cool as Die Hard or some of the older kind of action movies or whatever. None of them hit me like this. And I'm not saying that the, the apes trilogy is like my favorite or the best i'm just saying it's up there and honestly i think it's like super underrated so if you have not seen these apes movies you should definitely see that trilogy but moving right along to probably the most controversial one on the list which is going to be christopher nolan's interstellar um with the exception of the answer to everything being love uh which is really fucking stupid but um, and I'm all about like peace and love, baby. I'm not, I'm just saying in this movie, it's really silly, uh, but I don't care because there's something about the experience for me. I just get really into this movie, but like Dune, not to compare, <laughs> man, I don't know. I'm just waiting for like hate mail now, but, <laughs> but, uh, with Dune, like you kind of like go to these other worlds and in interstellar and you, you get to see even again, Back to the like the best sci-fi, either taking our reality and changing it in a uh, in a way in which we can follow, in a way in which we can suspend our disbelief, in a way that gives it context and substance. Um, Interstellar is one of those, you know, like we're trying to find a new home for humanity so that humankind does not go extinct. Um, but we end up on other planets. We get to see these other things. It's not super duper sci-fi in terms of, uh, like I said, you know, uh, glass bubble helmets and laser guns. And I know that that's not what sci-fi is, but when I think of like super hard sci-fi, I think it's super weird stuff. Or even the first Alien, where they do have those big glass bubble helmets and these space suits, and they're in space, like, just like hanging out on like alien worlds and stuff. It's really awesome. Uh, but with with Interstellar, it's it's much more kind of reserved and, and I don't want to say believable, but um, they kind of hit a lot of <clears throat> they hit a lot of details that really help with that suspension of disbelief. Again, it falls off the rails when like the answer to everything is love. That's like really stupid. Um, but I think a lot of Nolan thing like I think 
inter, uh, inter. I think Inception's really cool, and I really enjoy watching that, and I have a great time with it. I think a lot of the concepts are really stupid in that movie, but I like really love that movie still. Um, so I'm allowed. You're. This is another thing. Here goes a little rant. You're allowed to criticize things you like, by the way, because sometimes, especially when you have a standard or, or you've built an idea of something, and it doesn't quite meet that, but you still like it, right? For example, whenever if a when when a four year old paints a picture, unless there's some prodigy, it probably sucks. Okay, it probably sucks but you love it. Why? Because your kid or this little kid, whether whoever they are, this little kid made it and they put effort into it and you love it because of that. It's not because it's the greatest art. You love it for different reasons, but no matter what, you still love the thing. Interstellar, I could sit and I could critique the whole time and I could tear it apart, but I love the thing. Why? Because I, I am susceptible to those types of stories. I am susceptible to that music and to those visuals and going to these worlds and these concepts. I love it all. So I actually really love the Interstellar. It was on my top 10 of that year. And, but again, I could sit and criticize it because I don't think it's like this great, great film. Uh, but I think it does a lot of really interesting things. The last movie I'm going to talk about real quick is uh, one that is definitely falls into that sci-fi category, but I don't think a lot of people really look at it and think sci-fi, but that's Mad Max Fury Road. It's a post-apocalyptic thing, which you could say is, you know, depending on what you're doing is fantasy or sci-fi, but the way that this is done feels a lot more like sci-fi. It really hits a lot of the sci-fi key elements. Again, you have a world that exists in our own, um, but it is completely different. You have a post-apocalyptic world. You have these stories that go beyond, uh, like, the surface, right? So you know, there's it's dealing with politics and the idea of this overlord, you know, hoarding water, which is this prized commodity, and, uh, you know, kind of uh, hoarding water and holding it over all of these people who... You know, we could all just share this water, but you he finds power by having the water, right? So anyways, the point is, there's a lot that we could talk about with Mad Max Fury Road, um, but I'm going to stick to the really, really simple stuff here. This film looks absolutely incredible. This feel, film feels absolutely incredible when you're watching it. The visuals, the colors, the cinematography... The creativity behind just the vehicles people drive, let alone the outfits or the lived-in world that exists behind all of the action that we see, because this is a bona fide action movie as well. Sci-fi action. This is more action than like anything you're ever going to watch, okay? <laughs> because I'm telling you, I think I think maybe for 20 minutes in the entire running time of the film. And I'm going to have to look up how long it is, but maybe 20 minutes in the uh, two hours that this movie is. Maybe 20 minutes is not action. I feel like these action sequences go on forever and they're never boring. Ever. Because the filmmaker, George Miller, knows how to keep like pulling you along. Um, within this one sequence that tends that seems to evolve as it goes, it is absolutely great. He's a master at tension, and he can like pull you along. But here's something interesting: I read that George Miller wanted this to be a silent film, 
and he wanted it to be black and white. And I love this idea. Of course, it's super bright and colorful, but you know, there isn't a lot of dialogue in the movie. So you can almost see how that would work. You know, just put in those like uh, those uh, subtitle cards or whatever, and you have a silent movie right there. But they did put out an edition, it's the edition I own, that has both the theatrical version and the black and chrome version, where they took the film and they they remastered it in black and white, and it is gorgeous. And I actually, I'm not going to say I like it more, I just like it equally. I mean, it is an experience. If you haven't seen the black and white version of it, yes, it takes out all those beautiful, bright colors, but it also gives it a certain... It's, it gives it a certain aesthetic that is all its own. You know, it, it feels like almost like you're watching a different movie because you are taking away all of that, uh, you know, glitz and glam and all of the like visually appealing or, or, or distracting, I should say, things. And it just cuts it down to its bare bones. And it's like, all right, now let's watch the movie. Get all the bright colors, you know, throw them out. Now let's see what the film's doing. And that's how I felt when I watched the black and chrome version. Big fan of it. Uh, you should definitely check out Mad Max Fury Road. This is just one of those movies that I think just surpasses its genre, even though it is very much a part of a genre, uh, that sci-fi action thing. I mean, it just it, I don't know if there is a more archetypal-like example of that. Uh, maybe Aliens. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, I don't know. But Mad Max Fury Road is absolutely stunning. Um, out of all of these movies, I mean, of course, the ones that I want you to check out are things like Metropolis and La Jete, just because there's a good chance a lot of listeners haven't seen these, and they're so interesting. You know, um, Of course, you have the really accessible ones like the Terminator, Aliens, and uh, Children of Men, I would love for, and, and the Apes trilogy. You know, um, But if I had to choose one movie, Anybody listening to this, it's like, you need to see X. X would be Mad Max Fury Road. Not because it's my favorite film on the list, because it's not, even though I do adore it. Uh, but it is just one of those movies. It is accessible, but it 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 builds the world. Um, it's not a traditional sci-fi movie, but I do think it fits in that category. If you want to see something interesting and unique by a guy that's like, fucking 80 years old or something. I can't remember how old George Miller was when that came out. But, uh, dude, this super old dude, he made all the Mad Max movies, too. All four of them, this guy. He's just he's just a stunning filmmaker. Um, anyways, uh, so there's, there's 10 sci-fi movies. Technically, I talked about 12 because I brought Alien and Blade Runner 2049 into it. But in terms of the stuff I really wanted to talk about, 10 movies... I just thought since Dune came out, I was thinking about sci-fi. I started watching Doctor Who, and I was like, man, I want to talk about sci-fi today. And I wasn't planning on doing an episode, so I thought I'd ramble on about sci-fi, and I did. And I made it to almost an hour, so that's pretty great. Uh, I do have a few more things to say, but I am going to take a break, get a drink. Uh, not an alcoholic one, but water. I need to, I need to uh, quench this thirst. And um, uh, But yeah, I'll be right back, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what we have coming up on the show and a little bit about some 2021 films I'm really excited to see. Well, everybody, you know, I'm going to be knocking out 2021 movies now for the rest of the, <clears throat> for the, rest of the year. I'm going to try to get Matt Sosie in here so we can finish up the Bergman Marathon, which we... 
uh, stopped doing in the summer, I believe. I wanted to make sure we took a break. Um, but it is like, I think, I think it was the 50th anniversary or something. Uh, no, that can't be it. 60, 70. I can't even remember now. Um, but it was in the forties, so I can't do math. The point is, um, it was a long ass time ago (laughs) and uh, I did the Bergman marathon because it aligned, it lined up with like a decade or whatever, however many years, 92, whatever the years were. Okay. So the point is, Uh, But I want to finish that up. There's a lot coming up. But for the most part, I got to start doing this 2021 thing. This is what happens with every critic or any film person. They always have to, like, get caught up at the end of the year. And so I just wanted to mention a few movies that I'm really excited to see. But I I want to tie this into what I plan to do with the 2021 stuff or or at least what I hope to do. Um, But, yeah, so there's a lot I still have yet to see. I haven't seen um, Annette, which I believe is on Amazon Prime. I haven't seen... Uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye or The French Dispatch. I haven't seen Mass. I haven't seen Pig. I want to go back and watch, um, you know, Black Widow, uh, which I don't really think I'm going to love, to be honest, but I want to see it, you know. So I haven't seen Black Widow or any of those super... I haven't seen a superhero movie from 2021 unless it came out in, like, the first four or five months of the year. Um, but uh, I, I haven't seen Coda. Uh, come on, come on. Um, just for the horror experience, I want to see Don't Breathe 2, even though I think it's going to be terrible. I want to see Guilty on Netflix. I care a lot also on Netflix. Uh, I want to see No Time to Die. I want to see M. Night Shyamalan's Old, even though I think it's going to be terrible. But I'm like, you know, I want to see it. I want to have that experience. Can't wait to watch uh, Guillermo de Toro's The Beatles Get Back, uh, Belfast. Um, I can't wait to watch Paul Verhoeven's uh, Benedetta or um, the film Bergman Island I'm excited about. Um, there's a documentary about Ennio Morricone, which I don't think is going to be on my list, but I just really want to see it, and I don't remember when it comes out. I'd have to look that up. But House of Gucci, which is um, uh, what's the dude's, uh, Ridley Scott's new movie, and uh, it starts, stars Adam Driver and uh, uh, Lady Gaga and like Jared Leto's in it and Al Pacino and Selma Hayek. I mean, there's a lot of people in that movie. It's probably going to be wild. Uh, Last Night in Soho is probably going to be cool. Lamb looks interesting to me. Language Lessons has uh, Mark Duplass in it. So I'm always down. Who directed that, actually? I'm going to double check. Uh, Natalie Morales. Um, Cool. I, I forget what they did. Okay, I haven't seen anything they did. But it doesn't matter. Um, I'm excited to check it out. Um, that should be fun. There's also uh, Licorice Pizza, which is Paul Thomas Anderson's new film. If I had any ant- most anticipated film, it's that. Uh, I'm really hoping to absolutely adore that movie. Um, I am a huge, huge, huge fan. of. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson might be my favorite living filmmaker. I love his movie so much. Boogie Nights. Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, which is probably the best film of that decade, in my opinion. Um, The Master, which is a masterpiece. I love even his first film, Heart 8. It's really great. Punch Drunk Love, probably the one of, if not the just greatest romantic comedy. Uh, dude, he, he's just, a, he is a master. And uh, I, I don't know, he's amazing. Um, even though I think it's probably really terrible, Prisoners of the Ghostland, I'm excited to check out, and The Power of the Dog, which did not look that interesting to me, but I've been reading a lot of interesting stuff. Titan, of course, is 
Uh, a big one that I keep hearing about is everywhere. I just see it everywhere. But I also want to see movies like Antlers. I need to go back and watch Cruella with my daughter. I need to get caught up with uh, a lot of the, uh, like I said, the superhero stuff. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to hit, like, like I'm going to probably watch Free Guy and the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, which I have no interest in. But whenever I'm watching movies at the end of the year, I really like to have as well-rounded a viewing experience as I can. Whether I'm going into something thinking I'm going to like it or not, I'm often surprised, you know? And I, I really... I mean, I'm really good at guessing how I'm going to feel about something, but sometimes it's not as bad as I thought, or it's a lot better than I thought, or something I really thought I was going to love I don't like. You know, I am surprised often. Well, actually, here's an example of something I was surprised by. Uh, a friend of the show, Sam Watermeyer, uh, I saw him post on Facebook, and he was like, hey, uh, in and of itself, I just watched it. I think it's on Hulu. I can't remember now, but it's on one of the streaming services. He's like, hey, I watched it on this streaming service, and it's just like the greatest thing ever, you know, and he was talking and talking and talking. So one day I was eating dinner and I'm like, I'll just throw this on, whatever. You know, I wasn't thinking much of it. And Derek Delguadio's in and of itself is actually probably the next to Dune, the best experience I've had this year. I mean, it's just like a live performance, but the way it's done is so powerful, and I never in a million years thought that I would be as moved as I was watching in and of itself. And I'm looking at Sam Watermeyer's uh, letterboxed thing. He gave it five out of five stars and said, some magic is real. Beautiful. That's what he says about the movie. Um, This movie's a miracle. To me, I don't know. I I, I just, but it, it's never a film like I could see it being on my top ten. It will never be in like the top three. I can't imagine. And knowing the movies that I have coming up, I already named so so many of them. Uh, things like the French Dispatch and uh, you know Licorice Pizza and uh, you know Mass and and movies like that. They're just going to start knocking it down. I know. But I absolutely adore in and of itself. If you haven't seen in and of itself, you should definitely go check it out. I bring all of these up to say this. I'm going to start cramming 2021 movies. I'm going to start trying to fit them in a lot more. And when I say that, I don't mean just movies that are coming out right now. I mean, I'm going to go back through the year and try to get caught up and watch a lot of them. And I will cover them on here uh, as I watch them, as many as I can. I, I might not cover everything because when I start marathoning and stuff, I watch too Like, I won't. I'd have to dedicate full episodes to that, and I like having guests. So uh, <laughs> um, that's probably, I'm not going to do all of them, of course, but there will definitely be a lot. And I would love to hear what you're interested in. If you're interested in hearing about The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I will go back and watch that, and we will. If you want me to watch Coming to America, like Numeral 2, like the second movie, I'll watch it. I don't care, you know, and, and I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, if you want me to watch whatever it is, Suicide Squad, whatever the thing is, let me know. Uh, I want to know what you guys are interested in, and I will kind of prioritize that stuff, and I'll make sure that uh, as I'm watching the 2021 stuff, I get around to them eventually. If I get a lot of requests, I can't promise, 
you know, I'll for sure cover it. But uh, if I keep getting requests like we have been lately, I definitely could keep up with that. So, um, you know, definitely it's never it never hurts to to go out of your way and do it. So uh, let me know what you want to what you want to hear about. I would love to talk about some 2021 movies, but that's pretty much what I'm focusing on for the rest of the year. So I hope you guys will enjoy that. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So um, instead of taking a break, I'm just going to go ahead and start closing up here. I really appreciate you guys listening again. I, I was I, I was planning on just uh, bailing on this week. I just felt like this would just be a good week to have off. I've been doing this every single Tuesday uh, for over a year, and I thought, well, taking one day off would be fine. Um, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't stand the idea of not taking the time to at least put on a show. And because I was going to take this off, I didn't set it up with anyone. Plus, Halloween was yesterday, and like I said, that's when I would normally record with someone like Joe or or whoever I'm recording with. Usually it would be Sunday, and I didn't want to take them away from their families, so I was just going to take this week off. But I'm glad I did this, and I hope that it wasn't a nightmare for you guys, just me rambling uh, for an hour and eight minutes, uh, as it stands at least right now. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really fun. Hopefully you guys will go watch some sci-fi. Uh, I, I love getting people to watch movies, especially sci-fi. I have a soft spot in my heart for sci-fi. Big fan. Um, but also, hopefully, you'll send me some stuff. You can hit us up, uh, facebook.com backslash mediumcoolpod. You can search mediumcoolpod on Instagram, and we will pop up, and at mediumcoolpod on Twitter, or email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Let us know what 2021 movies you're most interested in hearing us talk about, and uh, I will definitely, if if it is with humanly possible for me to get around to it, I will get to it. And uh, if I get to it, I will make time to talk about it. So definitely let me know what you want to see or hear rather. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close us out. So just remember that I love you. Good night. Good luck. Take it easy.